Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. I also command that you keep listening to Adrian Has Issues. everybody welcome to adrian has issues today's guest is returning um, after making his first appearance on episode 126 entitled the scarlet warrior he is a third generation multi-instrumentalist and songwriter his grandfather howard carpenter is a founding member of the nashville strings and his father john carpenter is a director and composer with his father cody has contributed music to movies such as Vampires, Ghost of Mars, and most recently 2018's Halloween. And Cody has also composed full-length scores to projects such as Showtime's Masters of Horror. And what a lot of people may not be aware of, though, is that Cody has his own solo projects under the moniker Ludrium. We spoke a great deal on episode 126 about his collaboration with Mark Day entitled Shadow Spirits Volume 1. But today we're going to focus on two particular projects Force in Nature from Blue Canoe Records, and then 2018's Reflections. So please welcome back to the show, Cody Carpenter. Cody, how are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, thanks. First off, thank you for coming back. I had such a great time chatting with you and Mark last time. And, well, I've kind of been binging on your most recent releases. So once I got finished listening to Force in Nature, all I could think is, okay, this album is fantastic. I have to talk to Cody about it. So thanks for the opportunity. Oh, well, thank you so much. So I know we talked a little bit about it last time, and I feel like, you know, we were talking so much about Shadow Spirits that I didn't get to ask you as much as I would have wanted to regarding your background in music. I was really just trying to get an idea as to the inspiration into going into this album, because I know with Interdependence being the last instrumental release that you did, and what inspired you to then work on the follow-up. I'll give a little bit of history even before that, so... um I think it was back in 2014, I had just moved back to LA from Japan, and I got a new computer and I got a new setup. I decided I needed to start writing a lot more music, so I started writing a lot, and um, I did maybe an album or two worth of music per year, and I, I just would throw them up on Bandcamp to download. Then after you know a number of years doing that, I decided I wanted to get some other musicians involved, so... I asked Jimmy Haslett, who I had uh, worked with a long time ago on a completely unrelated project, I asked him if he wanted to play some bass, and he did. And basically from there, Interdependence kind of took off and I got other musicians involved. So that was kind of how that started. And then Force of Nature, I basically got all of the same musicians. It's more more of the same stuff that I've been doing, you know, kind of the the prog rock fusion stuff that I love. And um, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. See, what I did love about Force of Nature, much like uh, when we we're talking about Shadow Spirits, you know, in my, at least in my own head, I started to kind of form this narrative within it. And I just love that album for the sole purpose of it tells this complete story in a very indirect way. And I'm glad that you mentioned Jimmy Haslip because that was actually one of my <laughs> takeaways with um, his bass grooves and his solos are sublime and oh, if yeah. you haven't listened to this by all means like i'm almost tempted to just like cut in like a, a snippet of the bass solo alone because he is remarkable oh yeah he's 
He's amazing, and he's a real essential part of both albums, especially uh, Force of Nature. And also, you have drummer Scott Seaver, and at one point, you were just snapping on the synthesizer, man. Like, you were really just in the zone. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I, I do write all of the music, and I write all the parts, but the guest musicians are absolutely essential to making it what it is. And it's more of like a group effort, you know, as opposed to some of my other stuff where I just do everything, and, and it, I think it feels better. Well, yeah, and I think that's something that any creator project, and I've talked about this in other shows with other creators, where, you know, doing it by yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. But, of course, when you bring in other people, they bring their experiences and their influences in. And especially when you start gelling much like you did on this album, I, I it really came together well. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and also, now that I have you on the show, I also want to actually like legitimately thank you for scaring the ever-loving shit out of me with the last Halloween soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well thank you for uh, thank you for seeing the movie. Yeah, like something that I've always appreciated about you and your father's work is reinforcing this idea that the synthesizer is as every bit uh, a crucial instrument. And I remember I was. Working on a couple of blog posts uh, for the website while I was listening to the Halloween soundtrack, and I realized that 3 a.m. in the house with no lights is probably not the best time to listen to that, or maybe the <laughs> yeah. best time, depending on how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, and, and I don't know, actually, we should get into a little bit of the um, the Halloween score, because, I mean, you've obviously worked with your father, John, quite a few times in the past. But with this Halloween, being how this was a direct sequel to the original film, you know, what was that like as far as working on that soundtrack, considering that it was such a callback to, of course, you know, the, the classic film? So, growing up as a little kid, most of the kids in my class knew who my dad was. Maybe they hadn't seen Halloween. But I would always be asked to play the Halloween theme on the piano because, you know, <laughs> is it, right. I mean, all the kids wanted wanted me to play it. So I've been playing that theme since I was little. So then finally, as an adult, getting the opportunity to actually score a Halloween movie was kind of a it was kind of a surreal thing. So it wasn't just myself and my dad. We had uh, Daniel Davies was the third guy. We we all did it together, and he definitely had a major role in how the score came out. All three of us worked uh, together. It, it wasn't just uh, wasn't just one of us doing all the work, you know. Right, and I think what was interesting about it was it felt retro, but also still still felt modern, which mm. I, I think is kind of something that may be hard to do, especially when you're doing a soundtrack for something that you know has such a long lasting legacy. You know, we wanted to make a point of respecting the original, bringing some new ideas in, but. Definitely keeping the synth element strong, you know. That was definitely an, an important part of what we were trying to do with the soundtrack. And especially since the soundtrack or score to a movie is as every bit as important. And I, I know with now where a lot of soundtracks tend to be licensed music, which, you know, as we've seen from some films like Guardians of the Galaxy, still can work in the film. But just having a really engaging score really elevates a project. I know what you mean. It You know, it depends on... On the type of movie, it depends on what the producers want from the score. Um, some people or some creators, I guess, they just want the score to be completely invisible. For example, you know, one of these big Guardians of the Galaxy movies, kind of an orchestral bed that just kind of supports the image, which is great. You know, that's what they wanted. But personally, I, I kind of like it when the soundtrack tries to do something interesting, tries to do something unique um, and stands on its own. You know, that's kind of that's more to my taste. Right, and it's also a character in and of itself. 
Right, exactly. Because at that point, then, you know, why even bother with music? And there have been a few horror movies that have actually kind of done away music altogether. But like you said, it really depends on the type of movie you're making. But to have Halloween without that score, to me, it wouldn't be Halloween. Yeah, exactly. The, you know, the theme, that iconic theme and, and some of the other themes are, personally for me, I think it's inseparable from Halloween. You know, as the series went on, obviously my dad didn't score a majority of the of the films and i think it kind of i don't know it kind of lost that element you know that character like you said that i think kind of made the original halloween so amazing right and, and it really felt like a homecoming like i think even just not only getting you know jamie lee curtis back into the mix but then like i said once you guys are working on the soundtrack it's like all right this now feels like a true halloween movie that's good to hear and no disrespect to any of the other films, uh, you know, obviously I've enjoyed a lot of them in their own right, but, you know, when they had this whole, oh, we're getting the band back together, so to speak, like, I, I think that really came through. I agree, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm really glad that the, the producers asked my dad to do it, you know, I think that was, that was a, a great choice. So, getting back into Force of Nature real quick, and I know being an instrumental album, like I said, like, I started to kind of develop my own narrative with the story, but I don't know, from your end of things... Being that it's very progressive, what would you say would be the overall like theme? Like, what was what was your narrative like? You know, when writing it, like, what was the message you were attempting to convey with the music? So, in contrast to Interdependence, which was just a collection of songs, um, I actually I tried to to kind of unify everything with Force of Nature to kind of to give it kind of a narrative, you know, and 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 the the cover art which is by this amazing, amazing artist, uh, Mizo. The Force of Nature, it's kind of nature unleashed in various aspects of that theme. And, you know, like you said, I, I like to have the listener kind of make their own narrative if they want one. So I kind of wanted to keep it open, but at the same time, there is kind of a focus of what's going on, um, as opposed to Interdependence, which literally was just a, a bunch of songs I just threw on there. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought it was a really interesting contrast to Reflections, which, you know, while very synth-heavy, was a little bit more futuristic mm. in a way. So I thought it was kind of cool where it's like, okay, there's one album where, you know, it seems, like I said, very futuristic, very modern, and then with Force of Nature, that album art, like, I thought it was kind of cool because to me, I started, as I listened to both albums, it, they almost started sounding like they were part of the same storyline. Oh, that that's great. I If... If you can connect interdependence as well, then I, I would be very happy. I that wasn't what I was thinking about, but if a listener can connect those, then that makes me happy. Because <laughs> you know, I don't know, like as as a big fan of Prague, even if maybe it wasn't necessarily what the artist intended. Like I love kind of drawing like these sort of parallels to the work and to other efforts, and realizing that nothing really happens by accident. Because even as you said, interdependence was a collection of songs there still is a thread, even if it's not a direct thread. It's all me. I mean, it's all my music. So I have a, a narrative in all the music I write. You know, I'm not going to write something completely different from my style. So in that way, it, it connects for sure. I don't know, unless there was ever an instance where you would try to write, you know, against a different style, which <laughs> I don't know if you ever thought about it at all. It's just start writing some show tunes or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Like start doing just completely like Broadway show tunes, like very big band. Like I, I think no one will see it coming, but still having the synth element. I don't know. I mean, has it really been done? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think I have it in me though. I'm sorry. I, I, it's, 
I don't think I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you say that now in two years, and I'm going to laugh for it. It's like, it turns out you're scoring Broadway hits now. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Force of Nature on Broadway, which, I mean, come on, that would be great. Yeah, that would. Uh, I mean, first, I just want to perform it live. You know, forget Broadway. I just want to perform it, you know. Right. The other thing, too, though, you actually just came off of a tour last fall, right? Yes, that's right. I don't know if you really get too many chances to tour, because I know, like I said, you often toured with your dad and also with other projects, but have you ever really considered taking, let's say, Force of Nature and taking it on, like, maybe, like, a small live tour? Yeah, I would I would love to do it. That's something I really want to make happen, you know, because um, of the nature of the music and just the level of musicianship that's required to really pull off the songs and make it sound good. The money is going to be a little difficult, because I don't have a band, so there are some things that are kind of in the way of me doing that, but I really want to perform it live, and um, I think it could be really cool. I think so, too. It's, it's something, especially with jazz and fusion, I think that live element, you know, if we were joking about Broadway, but that live show, I think, would be something really special because yeah, I think you'd have the audio and maybe even a visual component to it. I would love to get the guys that played on the album. Of course, that would be my dream. But, you know, these guys are busy. Um, and uh, but, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I still want to try to make it work. I haven't I haven't given up. Let's just put it that way. Going back to reflections. And yes. I think we touched on this a little bit last time, you know, as you not only just as a musician, but also a vocalist. Mm hmm. I made a point of making Reflections a, a very different kind of project, uh, which is why I use the name Ludrium for the vocal stuff, and I use my own name for instrumental stuff, because I really want it to be kind of a separate entity. So Reflections is, it's all me. I do all the instruments and all the vocals, except a lot of the backing vocals are done by uh, John Spiker, who also uh, mixed it and mastered it. Uh, so it's really just a two-man kind of thing. And I wanted to make it more kind of accessible to everyone uh, although it's still you know it's not going to make the charts or anything like that but i wanted to make kind of a verse chorus you know regular structure uh, not super complicated stuff that kind of has a retro feel but more futuristic in that it's it's all synths and i think there's some guitar on there as well but not a lot of acoustic instruments on there Right, but even with it being something a little bit more like so straightforward it still has its deep roots in progressive music yeah, I, I can't get away from it. I, you know, as much as I, as much as I try to write like a, just a regular pop album, you know, this is what happens. It just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. I can't do it. You know, as someone who's very big into Prague, and even the few pop songs that I do enjoy, there's something always unconventional about them. Yeah. Like, it's not just strictly verse, chorus, verse, which, if you're into that, that's fine. But I don't know. I guess maybe my brain's just wired differently. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm the same way. I, You know, this is basically my version of trying to do a, a kind of a pop album. But it, it's not. It's not. It, it goes into the little prog territory. You know, I, I can't get away from it. It's kind of like introducing these elements to people who maybe aren't as into it or maybe even aren't as aware and I, I remember talking to uh, my girlfriend about this a while ago about our approach to music, because while there are some prog bands that we're both into, I, I feel like to me, like my taste in music is very nonlinear. Like there's mm. just like, it'll go to a point, but then like as if I'm driving a car and I just jerk the wheel and take like a side street. God, she's going to hear this and think I'm like making fun of her. But <laughs> <laughs> but our music tastes for everything that there is a, a similarity towards. There are just some things that just one of us won't catch on with the other. 
So mm-hmm. by and large, it's like I have noticed that progressive music has started to kind of I don't want to say become more mainstream, but it definitely has become a little bit more acknowledged than it had been in the past. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know, there's a lot of really big groups that are super popular, uh, but are very progressive, which it, it makes me happy. I'm still trying to figure it out. I, I'm definitely not going to question it too much, but I just feel like someone went and made Synthwave and Retrowave a thing strictly for me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know at what point did it become more popular, but yet I, I'm glad it's here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so before we go any further, though, like I, I figured we should probably play a selection from Force of Nature. So I wasn't sure if there was maybe one in particular that like you thought stood out and would be a great introduction to the uninitiated. For an introduction, I, I'd probably choose the first track on there, uh, Transcendence, just because it's it kind of gets your blood pumping the most. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's kind of a yeah, it's a good introduction, I think. All right, cool. So there we go. We will take a quick break and you will hear Transcendence off of Force of Nature.
And we are back to Adrian Has Issues, and I am speaking with Cody Carpenter. You know, and we've been talking this whole time about Cody as the musician, but something that we really haven't talked about is Cody as the individual. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like trying to paint the picture as you, like, outside of just strictly your work in composition. Because I know we did talk a little bit about, you know, your interest in video games, but... You know, this sounds like a very, like, daytime, like, talk show question, but when you're not composing and scoring, what is your day-to-day like? Oh, yeah, well, that's a good question. I don't think anyone's has asked me that, ever. <laughs> <laughs> what I try to do on the show is, you know, we know people for the things that they do, but we also know that they're more than just their projects. That's kind of where yeah. I was going with that. When I was younger, I used to play a lot of games, um... You know, I don't play as much anymore, but when I go over to my dad's, you know, he's a huge gamer. You know, he plays a lot. So, you know, we'll, we'll play some games over there. You know, I've, I've been back and forth between LA and uh, Tokyo for, uh, I don't know how many years now. I, um, speak Japanese and I've done a little bit of work, uh, over there, uh, with, you know, some translation stuff and things like that. So I like to, uh, just keep my Japanese up, um, I like to watch, you know, kind of YouTube videos in Japanese. That's a it's a great way to keep my my ears fresh, you know. You know, I like to watch uh, NBA. I'm pretty into basketball. But I was actually curious about, you know, you said that you speak fluent Japanese. Like, are you self-taught or take classes for that? I started in college, uh, and I was a uh, I was a Japanese major actually, and then I studied abroad in um, Tokyo International University, which is actually not in Tokyo, but I did a year abroad. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> and then I worked over there for a number of years. I, I love the language, but definitely not self-taught, no. That's pretty awesome. Music is more, I, I more kind of just did it on my own, but uh, Japanese, definitely. I had some great teachers. That's definitely something I'd imagine helped out a lot, because, I mean, even for artists who maybe don't speak the same language as the audience are playing for, I feel like it's like the last universal language left. I, you know, I, it's it's interesting. I, I I've heard people talk about music. Uh, is it a universal language or is it not? I think every culture has some sort of music, but does everyone appreciate every type of music? And I I don't think so. I think some things that don't appeal to a lot of people, and things that appeal to many people. But I I don't know. It's hard to say is if it's a universal language or not. What 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 do you think? I was thinking really in terms of the fact that. Like, I know of a couple of local bands, like, here in New York, who I have not been able to catch them playing here as long as... And I've been in, uh, let's see, Long Island for about, what, three years now? And I've not been able to catch this band, but yet, I know, like, when they tour, like, let's say, Europe, and more particularly Germany, mm-hmm. like, they are, like, kings out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily know if it's just a language thing, or maybe it's just that there's just that prevalent the punk scene in those areas, but... I always kind of find it fascinating where, you know, you have, let's say, like I said, a punk band from Long Island who's big in Germany or, you know, let's say a K-pop group that has the crossover success. I mean, shoot, just the other week, you know, my girlfriend and I went to like a, a movie theater to see like a broadcast of like a BTS concert. And mm. I was like, my mind was blown because... You know, there's been concert films before presented in theaters, but these were diehards. 
Mm. Like, you know, they came with merch, like they came, you know, doing chants of the band and like they were like a diehard fan base and no, you know, no one had lighters, but during the ballads, like everybody's like bringing out a cell phone, like waving it around in the theater. (laughs) And it was so surreal because I can't help but think a couple of years ago, I don't think that would have been something I would have been a part of. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, music definitely does have that appeal. And I'm always just shocked, especially outside of, I guess, American sensibilities, because I, I feel like we're, we're and gosh, this is going to sound so disrespectful, but I don't mean it to be, but I feel like we're kind of like a step behind in that regard. Mm. In what way do you, do you think? Like, I don't know. I just feel like a band from the U.S. to tour across the world, whereas I don't, you know, there aren't too many opportunities where other bands that I've appreciated from other countries is very seldom, unless like you're in a major city like New York or L.A., to see those bands play here. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think there's a there's a higher appreciation for a lot of different kinds of music outside of the U.S., and I agree, definitely. And I just was always curious as to why that was. And I mean, I feel like it's getting a little better. I mean, it's slow going, but it's starting, I guess, with as the internet continues to grow it hasn't felt as small a world, but I don't mm. know. It's just very bizarre to me, and I, I still can't figure out why that is. You know, I don't know. I, I think, you know, American culture kind of likes to celebrate itself a lot. You know, um, there's kind of a, um, I don't want to say closed mindedness, but it's not as accepting of a lot of different viewpoints, I think, maybe as some other cultures are. But at the same time, you know, obviously we have a, a very rich musical culture and, um, it's a weird situation. I, I, I'm not really sure what to make of it, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, because I mean, being as you, you know, travel back and forth constantly between the US and Japan, so I wasn't sure if you noticed that over in Japan, like if it was as jarring as it sometimes feels here. Yeah, you know, it is interesting. It's a lot easier for uh, specifically jazz fusion groups to play over there and be successful uh, because there's a bigger audience for that type of music. I think there's a bigger audience for a bigger variety of music over there than there is over here. I I definitely noticed that. You know, you said earlier there's a possibility of touring, but I mean, even if it were like a, let's say, Japanese tour, I mean, it sounds like, you know, there might be a larger market for it. I don't know. You know, and actually that's that's what I was thinking about doing. That would be the place I would want to go anyways, because I speak the language, but I think that would be the uh, the easiest place as opposed to uh, West Coast tour or East Coast tour in the U.S. might be a little more difficult. Even saying that to me is still kind of wild. It's like, you know, you would think it wouldn't be that difficult in your own right. backyard, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> like, as if, like, if I were to go down the street and be like, look, I want to do like a live podcast in this particular area, but my market isn't here. You know, let's say, yeah. for instance, if I don't know, if in. I'm just going to say Germany because I used the reference earlier. Like, for some reason, A-Trans issues is huge in Germany. Then mm. it would actually be more beneficial to mm. go overseas to then do that same podcast. And I'm like, wow, like, you never really think about that kind of thing until you really think about, okay, where is your audience? Like, where do you find yeah. yourself thriving the most as an artist? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm not really sure what to make of it. But, you know, for example... um, you know, even with my dad's stuff, uh, he's got huge number of fans in, in Europe, in Italy, in Germany, in France. It's uh, it's amazing when we tour it over there. It's just amazing the reception that my dad gets over there. Not to say that he doesn't get a great reception here, but it's just, 
it's like you said, where is your audience? Thankfully, my dad has a, has a great audience in most places, but especially in Europe, he just they really accept him over there. Being born in like the mid-80s, everything was synth. Mm-hmm. And even a lot of bands that didn't start out that way had embraced synthesizers. And like any band that wants to stay relevant, you know, you sort of adapt with the times. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think about bands like, let's say, Rush, who, to a certain core of purists, you know, synth-era Rush almost felt like a, a slap to the face. Mm. Whereas, you know, your the 70s Rush was like, well, this was the Rush I grew up with, and now... Mm-hmm. All the kids are playing keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there are plenty of other bands that have done the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like, well, it makes sense because as someone far more talented than I once said, evolve or die. Mm. But I think to me, like a band like maybe say Rush or some others where the sense, while it may have been prevalent area, it wasn't necessarily just a fad that mm-hmm. everybody did just because it was the end thing. But it's like, no, like, it's still like a great instrument. Like synthesizers are just wonderful. And now it's kind of funny uh, now with like my stepkids where, you know, they're now into video game music as well, because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that they listen to either I'm playing in the car or just from the games that they're playing. And now what song is this from? What is this from? So then playing the original stuff. And then of course, getting to some of the remixes that are like, you know, very synth heavy and mm-hmm. it's sort of like bridge that gap. And I don't know, to them, I feel like they're totally more with it than, like, people my age or even older. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Where it doesn't feel as alien, and maybe that's just it. I do remember, though, back in the day, like, metal bands, they would purposely write on their album, like, no synths were used on this album. I don't know if you remember (laughs) that. I do remember that a few times, and I'm like, really? <laughs> like, did you, I'm pretty sure if you listened to it, we would have figured it out. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they like they wanted to make a point of saying, like, we're not using that stuff, you know. But nowadays, I mean, it's totally accepted, which is great. I, I'm really happy about that. And then looking back, and maybe not having that sort of mindset, maybe it doesn't come out the same. But, you know, it's like, I even think of, like, Iron Maiden. It's like, okay, yeah, they use synth, though, but... Did the music really change? And it's like, not really. Right, it just enhanced it, right? Yeah, like, at its core, it's still very much them, but, okay, you just added, like, an extra element to it, but it didn't take away from anything, because every other instrument was still there, so, I don't know, like, to me, like, I I feel like there was this weird synth bias for a while, and I'm glad that's kind of done away with. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even back in the 70s, when Emerson, Lake and Palmer were were young, you know, there was there were some people that were thinking that their music was being played by computers, that they weren't even playing it. And that was kind of a bias, you know, like this is not real music, right? This is uh, this is something unhuman, you know, which is which is looked down upon. Of course, they were massive and, and huge. And there used to be that kind of weird bias. But nowadays, it's, it's not not at all. Right. Well, a lot of it, I think, had to do with people realized um, people still have to, you know, play those notes. Like, they're not randomly generated, you right. know, pieces of code. <laughs> right. It's like, you mean to tell me someone actually had to press a finger on the key to make that sound? Right, right. Yeah, you know, I think also it has to do with just our, you know, our culture and our society nowadays is so connected, you know, with the internet, obviously. And you don't have these kind of pockets of culture that protects itself anymore because you're you're connected to everything all the time. So it's it's harder to isolate yourself and say that something is no good, you know, because there's there's always a huge group of people that's going to like something, and you know that. So you can't really isolate yourself in that way. 
Right. And some still do. And I think that's what makes it sad because it's so open, so connected, which to me feels like you almost have to go out of your way to isolate yourself and cut yourself off from something. Yeah. And and I get it. Not everybody's into everything. Like, I'm sure someone will listen to your albums and will think the world of them and you'll have like a totally new fan. Someone else will just be like, eh, not for me. Right, right. But by the same token, at least give it a shot. At least listen. It's like you will not be in any sort of physical harm from listening to something <laughs> that you weren't into before. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Because, <laughs> you know, I used to kind of caught that same attitude until one day I'm realizing it's like, you know what? I'm just going to just listen to this trap music playlist. Like, really, what's the worst? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's great. You never realize what you're into. And something I actually thought about, and I wanted to ask you then, you know, seeing as how a lot of your stuff is with Fusion, a lot of synth, like, has there ever been any sort of thought about maybe incorporating that into other genres? What other genres do you think? What are you thinking about? I don't know. Just thinking, like, you know, one day you decide to, I don't know, like, just playing hip-hop beats or something, like, over, like, retro synths. <laughs> Funny that you mentioned that this fellow that works for my dad, he's a hip hop guy. And he, you know, he asked me, he's like, we, we should collaborate on something. And I don't know, man, I, I've, I'm, you know, I'm not a huge hip hop fan and I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it would work, but you know, like you said, I, it's good to have an open mind and just be open to everything and not immediately dismiss it. Although I don't know. Well, I don't think it's as much as dismissal. I am more take it as, okay, that might just not be your comfort zone. Because, like I said, it's not like that's something that you have often played in. But then, you know, I always think about my favorite example being, like, you know, Aerosmith Run DMC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. (laughs) Because it's like, even as a kid, I was just like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Something's not right here, but it's, it's, I mean, it sounds like it's not right, but it it works. Right. So someone cracked the code. (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, I I think it would be kind of cool and... You know, definitely kind of play in someone else's sandbox, so to speak. Yeah, I, you know, the one thing for me, though, is one of the elements of hip hop that is kind of essential is this is uh, repetition, the kind of uh, endless repetition. And I, I just I can't really I can't really take that for a long time. You know, it. I just need a lot more movement with my music. So I, I don't know. I, you know, I. OK, I'm, I'm probably not going to go there anytime soon. Let's just put it that way. But but I'm open to it for sure. <laughs> Like I said, I mean, you so much for Prague, so I'd imagine doing something like Loops would be a little difficult to work with. But again, that's more kind of like that non-linear and linear thought process. I've also noticed that Prague can be very linear. Very true. A lot of groups kind of take the one, that one feeling and kind of run with it, which is, you know, which is fine. And I think it's good for someone who really, they just want that one taste. You know, they don't really need a lot of uh, variety. But, uh, you know, even for me, when I was younger, I was really more into kind of the the classical stuff like uh uh no symphonic i guess is the word they use i really couldn't get into uh kind of like the return to forever or maybe like jean-luc ponty or something like that i just couldn't get into it but you know as i got older you know your tastes change and you kind of you want different thing like you said you, you kind of you look for for something new look for a different taste and then i kind of incorporated uh kind of the more fusion stuff into into my own music as well so what's the next step from here? Now that you have like these two very distinct, but like pretty acclaimed projects out, mm. like, you know, so where does, where does it go from here for you? Well, I have a sequel to both Force of Nature and uh, the Ludrium Reflection uh, album. Both of them are in the works. Hopefully I can get them done and release them this year. Maybe I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, definitely the next step for both of those is going to be coming out 
I have some other projects of my own stuff. I'm not really sure about them yet. I kind of I have to think about them, maybe, you know, fine tune them. But uh, you'll hear sequels to both Force of Nature and Reflection uh, sometime soon. Well, I do appreciate you taking the time out and chatting with me and kind of picking your brain a little bit about your projects and just music in general. So again, thank you so much for your insight. And I, I look forward to these new projects. So when you said there were sequels to these two, I'm like, all right, I'm already in. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. No problem. But before we go, as always, I'd like to let everybody know, you know, where they could find more about you, your music or any other projects that you wish to promote. I have my website up. If you just put in my name in Google, Cody Carpenter, I think it'll probably come up. You know, I'm also on social media. Yeah, I think that's about it. We do want to play one more song, and as always, dealer's choice. So, Cody, I don't know if you wouldn't mind picking our song. I figured maybe something off of Reflections we can close out with. Uh, so, much like you uh, pick Transcendence off of Force of Nature, Reflections, what's your pick? Let's go with... Uh, Track number three, An Intimate Relation. I think Ooh. that's maybe the best one for someone to hear who hasn't heard the album yet. So let's go with that one. But let's get right into it. And thank you all for listening to Adrian Has Issues. And we will see you next issue.
with you again.